We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could give this feeling. I wish I could give this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events, we're always writing articles, but when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen. You can get $50 off of any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. We are back with another episode of the Corner Podcast. It was a slower week in combat sports, but that doesn't mean that we hit the snooze button and that we have nothing to talk about. Of course we got stuff to talk about because we're always working. And finally, we get to talk about a little hip-hop this week, too. So, you know, we're, we're a little bit geeked up about that. It's been a couple of weeks. So let's dive into some of the crazy current events from the past week. We got to start with something that I feel like we all discussed a little bit on Twitter, um, so, some more than others, but it's really taken over the sports realm. And everyone in every side of sports is talking about it. Colin Kaepernick's taking a stand uh, while well, he's sitting to be honest, for the <laughs> national anthem. 
and it's caused like a crazy stir. It blew up probably since the end of our last show when it first became public, and it still has traction in mainstream media. And it's crazy to see how people don't see the relevance of what he's doing. And now what he did is being so misconstrued and taking so many different directions that the original message behind it is kind of getting lost. Yeah, so I want to start this podcast with a couple of things. One, I'm sitting here remembering that Jack Swagger was once the WWE champion. I'm watching 2010 Extreme Rules in his match against Randy Orton, and he went over clean. Yeah, okay, so that happened. What a um, horrible year of wrestling. <laughs> All right. So I want to get that out of the way. Um, two, I'm playing Madden 17 right now, and I'm the 49ers, and they are absolute fucking trash. I can't win a game. To, I've won a, a game, and they suck. And <laughs> Colin, yo, Colin, I have, I'm playing with Colin Kaepernick. I don't, I don't, like, if I don't win, I don't reset the game. I just deal with it. I have two touchdown passes and 11 picks. Oh, that's six. horrible. And I can't bench him because Blaine, I put Blaine Gabbard in for a series, and he, he got his ribs broke, or his collarbone broke, and he's out six weeks. So, um, <laughs> Don't bench Cap. Stay strong with your team. I got to stick with Cap. I'm, I'm losing every. I'm just getting terrorized out here. Uh, happened when Navarro Bowman just went out for six weeks with an injury. I lost Torrey Smith for six weeks. It's terrible. You got to so, make a few trades, stockpile first-round draft picks, and just steer clear your first year. Take the L's, hit yeah. lucky in the draft, get a quarterback, a wide receiver, and a D-end, call it a day. Yeah. So, with that being said, Colin Kaepernick, although he sucks in Madden, um, I can't believe that this has become this big of a deal. And I think it's a bigger indicator of how racism is still running rampant in this country. It's like running wild like Hulk Hogan. Um, I just don't understand. I mean, I've, I've had my bouts on Twitter, as, as people who follow me have seen. I, I just don't understand this big problem over what he's doing. He's not standing for the national anthem, but it's okay for Donald Trump to say that America's pretty much sucks. I got to make America great again. It's okay for him to say that, but for Colin Kaepernick to not stand for a national anthem that wasn't really written for African-Americans in the first place. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand this. I just think it's ridiculous. It's so, it's so weird. And I just kind of sit back and watch the back and forth. Cause to me, nothing really good gets accomplished with arguing on Twitter. It's no. just not, Especially for me, I say enough like crazy shit anyway. I probably need like a platform like this to explain half of my takes without it getting taken like you know sideways. But I, I just don't understand. He didn't hurt anyone in this protest. It's completely nah. peaceful. He didn't even bring attention to it. He just sat down and then they asked him about it. He answered the question and then everyone else felt the need to blow it out of proportion. Um, I'm glad that he did it. I'm glad that now at least we can say something has come of it, is that the conversation's been going for a week, and that's more than a lot of other people have done. So we at least are talking about it. I'm, I'm not here to call you know everyone who has a problem with it racist. I mean, it is what it is. People have problems for different reasons. Uh, I think they're unjustified problems. But if you have a problem with it, then that's cool too. But I, I see nothing wrong with what he's doing it doesn't make you a racist necessarily to have a problem. I, I'm definitely seeing how many people are just unaware of these racial and social problems. Um, yeah. Regardless if they're racist or not, they just live their life and they have zero idea that this stuff even occurs anymore. It's just not part of the majority's conscious life. Like, you know, a lot of people see cops driving in a cop car and don't blink an eye. They go about their life. 
uh, a lot of people I know, like, you, listen, you slow down, you change lane, like, you, you're just conscious of what's happening. You look to see where they're going, you, you want to know, oh, they're circling a block, what's going on, like, you're just aware of these little things, you know, are they going to mess with me today? You, you check around in your car, like, yo, I got my seatbelt on, everything's in order, and these are people just upstanding citizens. But you're you're consciously aware that usually if you're a minority, I know tons who are, um, and, and you know there's people just walking around that this has zero effect on their lives. So they're looking at Kaepernick like he's you know a unicorn. He's talking about something so preposterous and crazy. It's like nah, like this is how people really feel. He can be a millionaire, but he walks out with his curly fro, and you know his. Let's be real. He kind of looks like he's from the Middle East, and cops probably look at him sideways all the time. Regardless how much money he has, and he has tattoos, he caught mad shit for having tattoos and having them openly displayed and all this stuff. That doesn't happen to anyone else. So it it's out there still, and it's just crazy to me to think of how many people were just blindsided by the notion that he may want to change things. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, not everybody who's against what Kaepernick is doing is a racist. However, I think they're racially insensitive, and when you look at look at it from that perspective. You know, I think it might open some eyes. I mean, Colin Kaepernick, it's not like he sat down when he was asked. He was very articulate with what he said. And the one thing that he said more that I've been saying a lot more than anything else racist about the police is the fact that they are not properly trained. He said, you know, hair stick, you, you go to you know, cosmetology school and you take six months with a curling iron to learn how to do hair. In that same amount of time, you take six months with a gun and you learn how to be a, become a cop. There's a problem. There's a distinct problem which leads to... You know, the miseducation of these officers, which leads to racial profiling, which leads to us getting shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, there is a progression here that people aren't seeing. Um, and again, it's, it's, I don't know. I don't understand this whole un-American thing. I mean, I'm going to be honest. There have been multiple times where I haven't stood for the national anthem. Oh, no. If y'all going to come for me, I don't care. But it's just it's not that big of a deal to me. There are bigger issues in this country. It's not against the military. It's against what America stood for. And, and what America... I don't understand how people jump straight to, oh, you're disrespecting the military. Like, no one has no disrespect at all towards the military. Honestly, that's the only reason I stand for the National Anthem now as a grown-ass man. I mean, they made me do it going to school. Uh, sporting events, obviously, make you do it. And I did it for those when I was playing and when I covered stuff. But outside of that, the only reason I would stand for the anthem, the only reason to me that I need to is just because I have friends in the military and I'm respecting them. I've seen how much my friends really care about the anthem and how much it means to them. So I don't speak during the anthem. I always stand, always take my hat off in respect to them and saying thank you for putting your life on the line. But that has shit to do with the people running this country or how it is ran. Yeah, I mean, you know, they say they fought for our freedom. Uh, freedom to what? You know, like, you know, the, the World War I, a lot of these early wars weren't for our freedom because we were still, you know, being oppressed. Back then, during the civil rights era, even prior to that, we were being lynched. So there was no freedom in getting lynched. There was no freedom in getting uh, racially discriminated against or, or beat down or killed because you whistled at a, a, a woman as a child. Like, there, there was no freedom in that. So I just never understood that they fight for our freedom. Now, don't get me wrong. People was like, you know, I got, in, I got into a little beef with this, this Twitter chick who's, you know, <laughs> who was just saying, you know, that how can people hate America so much has given me so much. Stop giving America so much credit for your success, right? Like, that's, that's my issue with a lot of people. It's like, oh, America, the, the land of the free, blah, blah, blah. Listen, you need to travel more. I've done some traveling. 
you know, you go to Canada, you don't hear about any of these gun control issues. You don't hear, like, racism exists in Europe, of course, like in certain areas of Europe, but it's not as big of a deal as it is in America. And when you go to other countries and you see how they look at us, you're gonna, it opens your eyes to a lot of things. And I don't think a lot of people who don't travel don't see that. And they think America is so great. Of course you do, because you're fed this propaganda bullshit through our news cycles. And you, like, go to, when I went to Barcelona, and I ran to people that speak in English. They were like, they were talking about our politics and how we're like Arnold Schwarzenegger being governor was a joke to them. I'd like to go back and see what they think about Donald Trump legit running for president. So it's like, come on, man. Colin Kaepernick has a lot of points that he's making, and all he he has done nothing violent, right? It's un-American to kill young African American, unarmed African American men and women. That's un-American. Standing for the national anthem and taking a stand and protesting. I mean, Jackie Robinson did the same thing. And I dare somebody to call him on American. Everybody wears his, his jersey number on Jackie Robinson Day in baseball. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, there's some pushback here. The only thing that I'm curious about is what's Colin Kaepernick going to do next. And I think what's unfortunate is we're staring at, you know, I think the ESPN report came out is that the 49ers want to give a long look at Kaepernick in this final preseason game to decide whether to keep him. What? To keep him? Like, he's there. I mean, Blaine Gabbert's not that much of an upgrade. If you cut him, you know, the uproar is going to be ridiculous. And you're only cutting him because you feel like he's a distraction. And they're probably going to give him a long look so he has tape so they can trade him, not to see if they can keep him. Teams like the Minnesota Vikings, who are looking for a quarterback now, or a viable backup, or even the Dallas Cowboys, in case, you know, something happens to Dak Prescott. Teams like that want to see these guys play. So Geno Smith in New York is going to play the majority of the snaps this fourth game. Colin Kaepernick is going to play the majority of snaps because it hires their value. So I, I don't believe that whole, oh, we want to see if we're going to keep them. Teams know who they're going to keep or release yeah. already. Um, you know, unless you're, you know, the 59th guy, they pretty much know their plans for you. Right. And, um, and the other thing, you know, and I want to touch on this too, is it's, it's really been frustrating to watch African-Americans say dumb shit about this Kaepernick thing. First of all, fuck Jerry Rice. I'm a 49ers fan until I die. Jerry Rice was my favorite receiver, him and Terrell Owens. But fuck Jerry Rice. Jerry Rice saying, you know, saying anything against Colin Kaepernick is ridiculous. Fuck Jerry Rice since he had the braids with the Raiders. Fuck Wait, Jerry he Rice. said all lives matter, right? Was that yeah. him? Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. I can't. Listen, for those who are listening who are not a minority, to be colorblind is racist because you're not acknowledging that color exists. The, the term colorblind is, is, is racist as shit because you're not even recognizing that there's discrepancies between races. I see everybody the same. Bullshit. I look at people. I know what you are and I respect your cultural heritage. When you say all lives matter, to me it's racist because like, that's all cancer matters. Well, I'm dying of testicular cancer. Well, the other people's cancer matters too. Well, they're not dying right now. Like, I'm dying. You know, like shit. This is ridiculous to say all lives matter. Um, so fuck Jerry Rice. Fuck Rodney Harrison for getting on air and saying the dumb shit about Colin Kaepernick's not even black. Motherfucker, are you stupid? That was the dumbest shit I heard all week, though. Like, for I was like, say, he's your complexion. You like, how do you not know? Right? Like, how do you not know this? Right? Fuck Drew Brees because he says something. Fuck Ben Roethlisberger because you are a rapist. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Yo, and all the people saying shit all have horrible things in their past. And, and, but here's the other frustrating thing. It, it was, it's hilarious how so many players can come out and speak against Colin Kaepernick. But when the Ray Lewis situation happened, like, I mean, I, I'm not, Ray Rice situation happened. When a lot of this, the, the domestic issues, the Ben Roethlisberger situation happened, NFL players were crazy, like, mum and mute. They didn't say shit. But now when Colin Kaepernick takes a stand, they want to come out and speak out. I have no respect for people like that. 
If you're going to speak out, speak out for domestic violence because somebody's legitimately getting hurt. There is no uh, maybe, well, she hit him first. Dog, Ray Rice beat the shit out of his wife. And we saw that on camera. Colin Kaepernick hasn't hurt anybody. So if you disagree with his stance, all right. I'm not mad at you disagreeing, but for you to be so against who he is and saying and questioning his integrity as a human being, fuck you. Eat a dick and die. Yo, that's real. Um, it's crazy. And I saw like good comparisons of, you know, Muhammad Ali did many of these same things and people praise him now because it was Ali's birthday. Oh, um, yeah. And just the praise now that people have for Muhammad Ali. And I think Jim Brown. Everyone's tossing around the Jim Brown quote. is like, people didn't love Ali until he lost his ability to speak. Absolutely. And then now he's a hero because he's finally silenced. And then they go back and it's so revisionist. It's crazy to see that, you know, we don't get as many instances. And obviously we, we shouldn't um, now because there is there has been a little bit of change. But during, like, you know, the civil rights movement and everything, there was a, a good amount of athletes we could point towards. And like, okay, they had social change linked to them. And they stood for things. We have that less now. This is one of the examples we have. And it's crazy to see the uproar that it creates. When we look back now, we celebrate Jackie Robinson. Celebrate Muhammad Ali. People who were today would have taken the same stance. Black Lives Matter. They would have been all over that shit. Yeah, I mean, you look at Muhammad Ali. And Muhammad Ali is always my perfect example because he's my favorite fighter, my favorite person ever. You look at Ali... And you question, well, if Muhammad Ali didn't suffer from Parkinson's and took away his ability to speak publicly, where would he have been, you know, through everything from, um, you know, Amadou Diallo to, uh, you know, I mean, we saw, we saw a little bit of him during Rodney King, but he was still suffering there. You look at the Black Lives Matter, you look at Alton Sterling, Philandro Castile. Do you really think that Muhammad Ali would have sat idle? People would have hated his guts to this day. They would have taken the mic away from Muhammad Ali. But it's always this revisionist history that these people are great and people forget why they were great. Um, and Muhammad Ali wasn't just a great fighter. He stood for things in the heat of the moment. He didn't go back in time and was like, well, that was bad 20 years ago. I should have said something. He said something there and risked his career for it. Now, people are like, well, Colin Kaepernick's trash. Um, you know, he's still cashing that check, though. He earned that check. What he did with the 49ers, taking them to the Super Bowl and the, and the, the number of jerseys he sold in those two years, like the money that he earned that, that, that city. Because um, if you remember that, we were just kind of like a middling playoff team at that point. And that switch for Alex Smith and then they caught fire. Yeah. And, and like to say, oh, well, he didn't earn that check. Yo, he earned that check. He, he earned his money. America didn't give him his money. He went out and took it. He took a horrible contract. Yeah, it he did. It wasn't guaranteed enough. It was like a year-by-year basis. He's going to end up, if he gets cut, only getting 28 mil. No one gets 28 mil guaranteed as a quarterback coming off of the Super Bowl. No. He was drastically underpaid. And people, you know, they'll say, well, you know, 28 mil is more than I make. Well, I mean, this is collective bargaining also. I mean, shit. You look at the money that the NFL is raking in, players should get their proper cut. And that's something that we've got to talk about with the MMA and everything else, too. But... You know, these guys are making their money. It's not like Drew Brees is underpaid That's and nobody's saying argument. shit about him. That is the worst argument that people could present because that means, and let's just be real, call it a spade a spade, rich white people can buy the silence of those that work for them. Absolutely. And that's saying and a sport that's majority black like the NFL is that that guy has bought you like it's an auction, like you are a slave, and you can only say what they want you to say because they pay you X amount of dollars. I don't care. 
Because these are still pennies compared to the people who own the team. Yep. So Kaepernick to them is like, oh, fuck it. I'll buy another Kaepernick. That's how much money they got. I mean, the fact that they can release him, still pay him, and go find somebody else if they want to. Zero fucks given. Yeah, it's just what he says. And people are like, oh, well, you make enough money. Shut up. No, there's never enough money. Unless there's never enough money to take away your freedom of speech or your mind and your thinking. And being an individual. Never, ever in this world should that happen. I don't care how much you're making. I don't care if people want to point at Jordan. Oh, he was making all his money. This why he didn't. Listen, he was stupid for not saying shit too. Whoever, no matter how much money you make, 300 million, Floyd Mayweather money, whatever, highest paid athlete, if you have something to say and if something needs to be said, especially socially, you should speak up. And that's a horrible precedent to set for the next generation of superstars is to be quiet because you're making money. Yeah, and and there lies my biggest problem. And I know a lot of people are listening to shows like, get to the combat sports, but it's something we got to speak on. I'm, I'm I'm an African American male who has spoke about social injustice in my writing, on public forums, and, and town halls. I've, I've, I've led community movements. I've been part of youth groups. This is something I've stood for since I was like 11 years old. So sorry if you're going to have to listen to it on this podcast, but it just upsets me when I see these kind of things happen. And then people will say, well, Colin Kaepernick doesn't love America. He hates the military. No, man. There are things happening that people are still turning a blind eye to. And if, if, that, if him sitting down is going to get your attention, well, then so be it. And that's what's got to be done. That's it, man. People are like, oh, America is great. All this shit. You know what? America is great, but this shit could be a lot better. So why are we just standing here, like, saying nothing, bettering right. nothing? Like, it, it's really, it's awesome for the Sage Northcuts of the world. Everything is awesome. Yep. But sometimes you got to shine the light on some people that don't have all that shit. And that's Absolutely. all you got to say. It get a lot better. So I hate when people just, they're okay with the status quo. And it yep. doesn't affect them, so it shouldn't be said. And, and that's the biggest thing I took out of it. I was just looking, I was dumbfounded by some of the shit. Like, yeah. really, like you just have no clue what some people go through. Regardless, minorities, you know, whether it's just poor people, there's problems still in this country. You know what, let's try to fix them and get better. Without, you know, there's nothing wrong. We're not dogging the country to say we could be better. And that's all he's trying to do. And people took it to heart. Like, I, like he just slapped their mama. I don't understand it. <laughs> so that shit's crazy. Um, on a different note, though, because like we said, we have a ton of stuff to talk about on a slow combat sports week. VMAs happened this week. And it yes. kind of turned an eye towards music. Oh, uh, to the VMAs? People were hype off of these. No, I'm so sick of it. Like, I've done enough award shows. Like I've attended them. I've covered them. I've participated in them. Like people are like, oh, the VMAs. Like last year, I was at PWG Bowler last year. Then the VMAs. I don't give a shit. I kind of watched the VMAs this year. Like I kind of flipped through back and forth. Yeah, I like it was like a Beyonce and Rihanna concert. Ah, that was pretty much the gist of it. A lot of Rihanna. Uh, Beyonce took like sixteen straight minutes, and she oh, yeah. just ran off like a whole section of her concert. Which I know is unpopular, but I didn't feel like it was super dope. I've seen better Beyonce performances. I've been to several concerts. Um, this one, maybe because I wasn't too into the Lemonade album, and I don't know it word for word, but like the whole, she snatched my edges, the, oh my God, she's killing Queen B, blah, blah, blah. Like all that stuff was a little overboard for me. I didn't think it was that dope. And I know the Beehive is like, oh my God. 
But come on, yo. Every time she comes out doesn't mean that it's just overly amazing. You probably nah. paid $400 to see that same shit in concert. And yeah. it was like, eh, it's all right. I, I mean, yeah. I, watching the VMAs, like, on and off. I, well, I forgot what I was doing. I think I was watching the night up. That's what I was doing. I was watching the season finale of the night up. And I wasn't changing from that shit. And because HBO had a hell of a show with the night up. But um, I kept flipping back and forth. And I actually flipped on Kanye's speech. And I kind of went to Twitter and people were like, oh, Kanye, he's so amazing. He's so self-aware. I'm like, dog, do y'all realize this is like the worst public speaker of all time? Like, he's terrible. Like, when, I mean, and not that he was ever a public speaker to begin with, but his little speech was so all over the place. And then eventually, as it always does, comes back to how great Kanye West is. Like, That's how his mind works, though. It's, the, it's, it's oh like my the complete spectrum of his mind. And and I don't know wh- who taught him the word bro, but cut that shit out. Hey, that's Calabasas, Kanye. Oh, Shout out God. to Calabasas. <laughs> him and Drake take it over, Calabasas. They got billboards with their upcoming album and shit. Yeah, and no, and uh, well, okay, we're gonna get to this Drake and, and Kanye. We're gonna touch on it real quick before we really get into combat sports. But overall, I hated Kanye's speech. I, you know, when he, he says all this stuff about comparing himself to Walt Disney and all that shit, like I get it. You want to be ambitious. But you're not that great. You know what I'm saying? Like you're 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 an artist, you're good, your fashion is meh. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like your music lately has kind of sucked. So I mean, you're not like like old Kanye, you know, I was a big fan of old Kanye, but I always thought there was douchebag Kanye was always trapped in Kanye West. It just was a matter of him coming out of it. And now with the Kim Kardashian marriage and where where he's at musically right now, I'm not a fan of this Kanye West. And to see him and people chant for him, it just kind of is indicative where society is at. It's like, really? Kanye's our role model, right? He's super whimsical. He just does whatever the hell he wants. And there's really nothing of substance to him, except he tries to talk about art and merchants and fashion. And like, yo, he's really Mugatu from the Zoolander movie. That's who he is. Like, he sold the country derelict. And and they're loving that shit. Like Zoolander predicted this exact thing. It's like, yo, you're gonna sell us hobo chic, and we're gonna buy this shit. And Kanye was like, yo, that, they'll actually buy this shit. And he went and did it. All yeah. he's missing is the the white hair. Yeah, I'm telling you, this shit is so crazy. But people love Kanye. Tayana Taylor came out. She did the whole hump the ground, her body and all that. Her body is dope. So that's it's not. Re- that shit is ridiculous. And she just had a baby? Bananas, yeah. right? Like, that shit's unheard. She's a freak of nature. But I can't get over her face. I've seen her in person. I saw her at the Planet Hollywood one day. And I took, like, a good glance at her, like, mad creepy status. Because she was, like, two tables away from me. Just eating lunch. And I was like, yo, Tiana Taylor. My dude was like, yeah, she's cute. I was like, look at her face. And I was like, she looks horrible in the face. It's just... She looks like every New York kid I grew up around. Shout out to PS41. But they all look like that in the face. Like, there's just something about it. Like, she's real inner city grimy in the face. I can't get past it. She looks like my dude, Harlem Mike. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not God. sure if he's listening to the podcast. But Harlem Mike, that's who she looks like in the mug. It's, I just I can't, can't get over it. So she is now in the Serena Williams category for me. Where the body is official tissue. But I ain't stepping next to that at all. Um, she's got really strong features. We can definitely say that. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> categorize her as ugly. 
she's unique and acquired taste. She's like yeah, I mean, she has she has those kind of features that um, work for some people and don't work for others. So I mean, there's that. I mean, her body is incredible, but you know, it's yeah. she worked hard at it. And I, I, it's funny because nowadays you can't, you don't, you never really know how much of a body is truly hard work versus uh, I'm going to go under the knife a little bit. And I, and I hate to accuse any woman of doing that, but it's so many women doing that. It's like steroids in a UFC. Like yeah. Just, you don't want to be Nate Diaz. Like yeah. everyone's doing these. <laughs> it's, it's just really hard because you look at a, you look at a body and you're like, wow. You know I mean? She like, you know, I'm impressed with the work that it had to go into creating that body. And then I'm just like. Maybe it wasn't work. I don't know. I don't there's, know. There's day. some level of work though, because she's cut. It's not even just like she got a flat stomach again, or like her butt's crazy big. She didn't Kim K it, where she no, blows up I, and looks like the penguin every time, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, you got your body back. But there's no definition. It's like, come on. We. Yeah. She's had like four different types of belly buttons. Like, let's be real. Middle. So yeah, now nah, Tiana Taylor was just cut and ripped, and it looked like she had to put in a good amount of work in the weight room. Yeah, I mean I've, something like she ran sprints. Even if she had a little lipo here, there, blah blah blah, whatever, she went and got everything back though. So I'll give her kudos to that. You can't can't even Doctor Miami can't build an ass like that. That was muscle. Yeah, no, I mean she looked great. I mean the video, the song fade. It kind of felt like some Chicago house shit, which is it's, it is what it is. There's not a lot of substance to it. I can see it bumping in a club somewhere. The video kind of taking back, um, taking remnants of Flashdance. Um, so I. I the video was cool. The end was stupid. Very I don't care Janet what Jackson like though. It reminded me of Janet a lot. Maybe because the body, you know, just her, I mean, her whole silhouette type look was really dope. Yeah, Tiana Taylor. Look, Tiana Taylor is a is a great performer. Um, and her last album was actually really good. I was about so, to say her good music stuff has actually been very good. Yeah, she is a great performer, she, and hopefully this will be br- something that will break her out. Um, you know, she's done some bit roles in movies. She's a decent actress as well. She's kind of like one of those uh, multiple threats. I could see her going far. The end of that damn fade video was stupid. Um, I, somebody's going to have to explain this to me. The sheep, the baby, Iman Shumpert, and Tana as a cat woman. Man, look. look, look. <laughs> strange for the sake of being strange doesn't make it dope, all right? It just makes it weird. And that's all it is. Like, it, there's, no, there's no level of depth to it where I'm like, yo, you got to understand that. No, fuck that. <laughs> I, saw, <laughs> I saw something really weird at the end of this video, and I'm, I don't get it. Without an explanation, I don't get it. I'm not trying to read between the lines. There ain't no lines to read between. I'm cool. Weird-ass video. Somewhere on Twitter, there's floating around a picture of this black couple and their baby surrounded by a ton of stuffed animals in, like, the baby's room, and the mom has, like, kitty cat ears on. You got to see this shit. It's incredible. It's one of the funniest, like, reimaginings I've seen in a while. Yeah. So Cash out on your Twitter timelines. Um. We've talked about this for uh, about a half hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a while. All right, so what we're going to do then, since we took so long on all this, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to bring it back, talking combat sports, and start the show off where we usually start off. So you guys stay tuned. Be right back. Listen up. Because we need help putting out the show that you love for free every week, giving it free to the people, Now we know nobody likes filling out surveys, but we really need you to do it. It won't take you more than five minutes, and besides helping out the show, you'll be entered for a chance to win a $100 iTunes gift card. You know what I can do with $100 on iTunes? I'm living life large on iTunes with that, and you guys get that just for helping us out. We know some of you may have already done surveys like this in the past, but we really need you to log in and fill this thing out as accurately as possible. 
Yeah, man. Well, I mean, once we know more about you, we'll be able to deliver the show and the sponsors you dream about. Finding sponsors who are a good fit means we get to give you the deals and information the brands you care about while keeping this show free to enjoy every week. Free to enjoy every week. It means you don't have to pay to subscribe for nothing. All right. If you don't care about helping us and making the show better, do it for the chance to win a free iTunes or Amazon.com gift card. Right. You know, like do it for free. Do it for the gifts. If there's not, you know, just think about it. If there's not that many of you doing this, there's a better chance to win. So please do us this solid and go to the cornersurvey.com. Once again, that's the cornersurvey.com. Do that. Keep the lights on for us. Let us cater to what you need. You know, you can tell us what you like and what you don't like, and then we can keep it all funky and knock this thing out. I know the Corner Club got our back. You guys are going to fill out that survey. We're going to get more ads. We're going to be bringing you this for free for a long, long time. So shout out to y'all. All right, so we're back. Like I said, quiet week. It was kind of just like ho-hum. It gave us a nice needed break once again before we actually you know get into the fall push of combat sports UFC has a lot of stuff coming boxing finally is going to get back on the radar and wrestling with the brand split and everything that's gone down is going to keep us on our toes so let's start with WWE Raw from this week because to me it was the biggest surprise of the week um it started off slow and that shit was horrible and boring and then picked up at the end yeah, I mean, we, we all knew what we was waiting for. We were waiting for this fatal four-way match. So we had to endure two hours of pretty much bullshit in order to, to get to the, the main event that night. Nia um, Jack squash match again, though. I didn't mind that. Yo, Damn. I'm tired. Look, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Send her back to NXT. Like, it's just not doing anything for me anymore. She's not even imposing. She's just kind of there. <laughs> well, I mean, her and Braun Strowman are on the same plan. I don't know where their cars are going to end up. But right now, they're going down the same lane. So what we shall see about that. Bailey in the New Day. Um, That was funny. Yeah, I, I like Bailey with the New Day. There was a botch of Dana Brooke getting drop kicked by Bailey, and she like took the bump way too soon. Dana Brooke is bad, yo. She's not good. The, the turnbuckle, like hit her head against the turnbuckle. Oh, she got to stop that shit. She's, yeah, I, I just don't understand. Uh, Gallows and Anderson with, like, the comedy shtick. It's cool. I mean, I guess, you know, once again, everyone needs character in the WWE. Um, They could have just been, you know, bullies and all this stuff and silent. But to carry their own program against, especially against someone like The New Day, they needed more. So the healed comedy, you know what? I'm okay with it more so than other people are. Um, Dana Brooke added to them. A little weird. She doesn't enhance them at all. At all. Uh, but someone needs to take the L. And it, if it doesn't have to be them, the better it is. So I'm okay with her getting wrecked. Yeah, I mean, whatever. It just she's just she's really bad. Um, Sami Zayn's relegated to you know ridiculous things like feuding, well, having a match with Jinder Mahal. What was that? What the hell was the point of that? I mean, that's what Jinder Mahal is here for, right? He's uh, the official yeah. jobber of Raw. Until until we you know we have another nine uh, eleven type thing in Afghanistan, then they fire his ass again. Yeah, um, safe face. He's got he's sitting there praying like, yo, no ISIS, no ISIS because it has <laughs> nothing to do with me. Um, we had Cesaro and Sheamus in the second match of the best of seven. Uh, Sheamus went over. Cesaro took a nasty bump on the ring post uh, from a sunset flip on the outside. Uh, so Sheamus is up two to nothing. Which leads you to believe that Cesaro will probably win this best of seven series? It has to go all seven. And I want to see Cesaro down 3 0. 
mm. and yeah. just and just come back, run the table, or down three one. I don't care. Pull the Cleveland Cavs out here. Yeah, Kick I mean, like LeBron, and it got to culminate at the next pay per view, uh, which I think we have time. It's September thirtieth. For yeah, Ma, we got time. I believe so. They can they can fit it in, even if they got to throw one of the matches on superstars or some shit. I don't care. Yeah. So then we had uh, Braun Strowman beating America. Hmm. Um, taking off his mask. Yeah, whatever. Uh, Yo, I was I, listening to a podcast. Um, uh, shit, it's, it slips my mind which one I think I was listening to. Uh, but I think it was the Law Joints. America was an actual wrestler. Like, that's his actual gimmick. That's unfortunate. Yeah, so <laughs> if you guys listened to, it was the review of Raw. Um, shout out to all the guys over there. Uh, you know, Pollock and everyone. Uh, it was a great review of Raw. And backstory on America, because they actually covered him in an indie promotion once. I guess all the indies go through Toronto, and they know all these jobbers. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. him getting squashed, whatever. Um, I, I would like to, my worst feud of the year is hands down Titus O'Neil and Darren Young. This is the worst feud, maybe of the decade. This is pretty bad. They're not making Darren Young great again. I, I, don't, I don't understand. Um, no. Yeah, I, it's a weird angle. To me, it's it's kind of like a Trump campaign, but you put it on a black guy. It's dude. It's I don't, this, I don't understand that either. Bro, this whole thing is totally useless. Um, because it's not really putting Titus over as a monster heel. Darren Young, nobody gave a shit about him anyway. Like initially, I thought the gimmick would be fun, but now it's just stupid because he's feuding with Titus Young, and I mean, Ty, I mean Titus O'Neil, and it's, <laughs> yeah, I know I just kind of put them together, yeah. but they fused Dragon Ball Z style. Yeah, it's just, yo, know, the feud is just really bad. And it, now it's like I watch it now to see what what's the worst thing that can happen out of this feud. Because now Bob Backlund's trapped in the middle of this crap. It's it's just, just so bad. Um, I want to ask you, Kel, what did you think of the Paul Heyman, Stephanie McMahon segment? And what do we take away from that? To me, I, once again, Paul Heyman on the show without Brock doesn't mean much to me. Um... It wasn't the best Paul Heyman segment. I think it's leading towards Stephanie trying to punish Brock, which is I think is the obvious point, and bringing someone back to punish Brock. Uh, I don't know who they're going to introduce as that person. There's possibilities from her maybe snatching someone from NXT or bringing in, and I hope it's not true, Goldberg Mm-mm. to fight Brock. But I think that's where we're leading, and that's what that segment in particular gave me the idea of. It's the next time we see Brock Lesnar, Stephanie McNan is going to bring in someone special to beat the hell out of Brock. And it's not going to be Taker again, so I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know. This whole segment was just kind of weird to me. It felt like you know you have two people who are really good on the mic, Paul Heyman and Stephanie McMahon. You put them together, and then they say, just kind of say what you want. And that's what it kind of felt like. It was directionless, and they were just you know, just going to say whatever they want. It feels funny when Heyman pulled out the 500 singles and started throwing them. I, I thought he was, was going to make fun. it right. Yeah, and I know the crowd was like, yo, toss some of that loot over here. <laughs> but um, overall, this segment was just really strange. It just felt like we had two great talkers really talking about nothing because there was no resolution. You know, Stephanie accepted the apology and then left. Mm. I don't believe that she accepted it, though. See, once again, I, don't either, but what I, was I the- still think it's open and they're planting the seed. Once again, but it seems early for me because when are we going to see Brock next? Does this Brock mean we series? see 
wait, but I don't know. They're building it already. Do we see him at the next Raw pay-per-view at the end of the month? Maybe just doing like, you know, some in, you know, maybe a promo or something and he gets jumped and then that leads to Survivor Series. It, it seems really early to be giving Brock a program of any type. It's, it's just, again, I don't know what the hell's going on here. And then before we talk about the main event, you saw that they're doing a Lesnar versus Orton rematch at a house show. Yeah, on a which, Saturday. Yeah, which is weird. Um, I mean, Lesnar's contracted for like three or four of those, I guess, a year. At least the Japan joint was televised. This isn't even televised. He was supposed to do the Hawaii one, but then, you know, he decided to go uh, roid it up and challenge the UFC people. So, uh, yeah, man, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but I'm guessing in his contract he has to do three house shows a year because that's what he's been doing. Yeah, all right, well, whatever. We got a couple of these, you know. <laughs> Usually it's MSG, house show, uh, you know, something like Staples. I don't even think this is like a big venue like that. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what this is at. I have to look it up. So all of this culminated to this Fatal 4-Way elimination-style match, which I was excited about. Um, and that's all we wanted to see. I feel like, you know, we, we give the WWE writers a lot of shit. However... I, I can guarantee you that the Balor injury and the Roman, Roman Reigns getting popped were two things that, that completely derailed six months of plans for the WWE. So they've had to recreate, they, have to, they had to create an entire new st- uh, story arc from basically scratch. So we got into this fatal four-way elimination match. I said it last week. I was right. Kevin Owens needed to win this match. And guess what? He won the match. Kevin Owens and, won. But you are also wrong in one thing. You said Big Cass did not deserve a spot in this match. And he proved you and a lot of other people wrong. Um, he had a really good singles match. He, all right. He got eliminated first. He should it's, have. It's not, it's not that. But still, you know, he, he, he worked really well. Well, he was booked right. He was protected. Um. You know, he, he ran some strong. He, he ran strong when he needed to run strong. He didn't get really trucked. They teased some some potential feuds. Um, I get it. You know what I'm saying? It was just kind of weird to see. Like I, like I said, I feel like Vince has like the biggest boner for Big Cass. Like he looks at him and is like he's seven feet tall and he can talk. He's a champion. Put him in the match, and then Enzo can be his manager. Like I feel like that's what Vince thinks. And seeing Cass in the match, like he did well. Cass is not the greatest wrestler. But Kat, the way they positioned him in this match didn't make him look bad. It made him look good. So, yeah, I mean, he belonged in the match, in the actual match, in a vacuum, yes. But to just kind of separate him from the tag team and put him in the singles competition is not what I want to see right at this very moment. He's not ready for that yet. But the day that they do it, and I'm sure they're going to do it, uh, at least Enzo will fall nicely into that cruiserweight division that they are now setting up on Raw. Big Cass go do whatever the hell he wants for a couple months and then bring him back. I don't, I don't think they have to split like, you know, Michaels and Janetti. Just go your separate ways, do your thing, come back, and it's like it's nothing. Well, it's kind of like poor man's Michaels and Diesel, right? Exactly. Um, you know, if, if I can't see Enzo going off on his own without Cass in some way, shape, or form. And whether that's a heel turn and cast his bodyguard or something like that, like I can't see Enzo as a cruiserweight competing by himself. Because to be frank, he's just not that talented in the ring. But um, if Kaz being seven foot tall and you can't teach that, yeah, that's all true. These are all things Vince enjoys. And one day they will be singles competitors. Uh, just hopefully not soon. I like to see tag teams stay tag teams for a long ass time. 
and and really established themselves as champions. Like you know, like Demolition never really broke up. You know, Legion of Doom, you never really saw Animal and Hawk do a, lot, a big singles run. It, it would have been pointless. But with Big Cass and Enzo, I feel like this tag team has a lot of legs and a lot of life. And let let it go. Let let, let, let these guys go through it. Um, back to the match though. I was sitting there, as, after Cass got eliminated and Kevin Owens got the first elimination, I was like, shit, Kevin's going to get eliminated. That was my immediate thought. As the match progressed, um, which was, it was a good match. The, when Triple H came out, I know there's a lot of people that felt like uh, the Triple H appearance kind of marginalized Kevin Owens' victory. I loved it. I, I don't give a shit if anybody said I it. I thought it was great writing, great booking. I mean, yes. it's, to me, it is another way. It's kind of like a shitty way to end the match with Kevin Owens not getting a finisher in, you know what, just have Triple H pedigree, Rollins, and then Kevin Owens pop a powerbomb or something. You know, just end it differently. But it, it was cool. It didn't cheapen what happened in the match beforehand uh, like other matches have with, like, stupid finishes like that. Um, I, I think one of the... I think it was the club interfering in a Cena... It might have been Cena or Reigns match um, when AJ was going against them. That really cheapened the win. And I thought, you know, that was like, oh, man, a great match between the two. And then it was ruined by the club interference and just ending it on stupid shit. This wasn't that, though. Triple H has been gone for so long. He was honestly out of everyone's minds. He yes, just thought he was chilling NXT. Yep. He was like, oh, shit, he's just running that. And they're like, no, we always got an ace in our back pocket. And he just ran in and wrecked shit. And. Finally, we might see Rollins the face. Um, Roman might go full heel. You know, just just the hell with everyone. You guys have screwed me for the last time. This company sucks. These fans sucks. I'm out of here. And just start wrecking shit. And Kevin Owens is the heel champion WWE needs. And, and I'll go as far as to say he's going to be a better champion than whatever they had planned for Finn Balor. And I am a huge Finn fan. It's just it wasn't built right. I'm not sure if Finn... It takes time for Finn to kind of mold his way into being super popular. NXT saw the same thing. He wasn't ready from the get-go. Um, people have to really grow with Finn and understand the character and the demon and everything. Kevin Owens is ready-made. Plug and play. And it's going to be a better run than anything else they've had the past year since Seth held the belt the first time. Yeah. I'm, uh, you know, Kevin Owens winning. Like I said, if there was any time to put the title on Kevin Owens, it's right now. It's always that weird that, – that period – between August and January, where anybody can be champion, um, and the, you could run a few test drives. Like I remember when CM Punk, you know, when he won the title against Jeff Hardy, and I felt like that was a test drive because he already had the title at one one point as a as a face, and he kind of he had to give it up, do the whole you know uh, uh, legacy beating his ass or whatever the hell that was, but. When he got the title from Jeff Hardy, I don't think the WWE realized how good CM Punk really was until he became the champ and cut those magnificent promos on Jeff Hardy about alcoholism and straight edge. Like, Punk really showed how great he was during that time. Kevin Owens is cut of the same mold. You give this man a microphone and he is golden. And him winning the title, look, the way he wanted, first of all, the pedigree that, that Triple H gave Seth Rollins. That's a real pedigree. Like, that's yo, a that... real pedigree. That's how you do this shit. I went crazy. I marked out off of that, off of the oh, execution God. of the pedigree. Listen, y'all, can, y'all can hate Triple H as much as you want, but he understands big moments and he understands taking your time to let things sink in. The way he looked at Kevin Owens, 
holding Seth Rollins, the timing, all of it was was perfectly done. Because getting rid of Roman Reigns first was kind of expected. You were like, all right, cool. He got rid of Roman Reigns, crowd popped, everybody was excited. Um, but then it was like, well, is he going to go back to this old Seth Rollins thing? No, he's tired of Seth Rollins. He's over it. Rollins never got the job done. So hopefully, I don't know if this is going to make, I don't want Owens to have a similar run as Seth Rollins did because I, my biggest complaint about Seth Rollins as a champion was that they made him a chicken shit champ. I don't want to see that with Kevin Owens. I want to see Kevin Owens, if he cheats to win, I'm fine with that. But I don't want to see him running from people or any of that shit. I don't want to see him having to run up under Triple H's arm all the time. I want to see Kevin Owens be able to stand on his own, too. And I think he can do that. This was the right move. If you want to continue the, the concept of the new era, Kevin Owens is the new era. Putting the title back on Rollins when it did that for you, putting it on Reigns would have just disappointed everybody, and Cass was too green to get the, ch- the title. Kevin Owens should get a pretty significant run, which I hope lasts until at least January, but we'll see. I, I think it will. They've, they've shown nothing lately that says that the champ loses the belt you know, within the first six months at all. The belt turnover has actually been kind of small. It's very stagnant the past two or three years compared to, you know, other times in WWE history. And I, I, Owens, in my mind, he's going to surpass whatever the hell they think he can do. Whatever Vince thinks he can do. Like, your, your champion is five foot eleven with a pot belly. Yep. Like, and can go. It has a motor. That guy can go. Yeah, you never never thought I'd say that. So He's amazing, so- amazing, amazing. Great way to do it. Um, I'm looking forward to Raw's opening segment this week. Oh, the, the, the heel promo he's about to cut with that title is about to be magnificent. Oh, that shit was crazy. Um, ESPN guy getting ripped for, for talking about his son's reaction. That shit was crazy <laughs> on Twitter. Uh, just everything about Owens. Like, he, he's captivating. Yes. In his own way. In a way I don't think we've seen another superstar be. He's captivated. Yeah. He, like I said, when we talk about, you know, cutting a promo, um, that's one thing. But his ability to be uh, innovative and spur of the moment and his witty comebacks, like he's quick. Like every, everything he does is quick. In the middle of the match, the way he handles himself, talking to his opponent, like he is the total package. Um, he may not look like a bodybuilding 1980s heavyweight champion, but he's this era's champion. And he's reflective of the everyday man because not only can he wrestle, but he's got the personality that, you know, those you deserve it chants made my, like, gave me goosebumps at the end because he really did. Like, you look at the history of Kevin Steen from ROH and PWG and every, everything that he's done over the course of his career to finally get to this moment and win the title. You couldn't have said that years ago. Like, even Daniel Bryan, you'd be like, well, he's little. But Kevin Owens is small and fat. Nobody thought he would get to this, this moment, especially when you got guys like Roman Reigns sitting at the top. Like, kudos to him. Hopefully the WWE does the right thing with him as champion. And, um, I, like, it's one of the legit like, – we're in an era. We're in an era where we got a fat champ, two Asian champions. Um, we're probably going to have a guy who was in TNA be champ. Well, the other, uh, who, the other guy wears a wife beater. He's the champ. And jeans. Like, he wrestles in jeans. Right. Like, like DDP. This is the weirdest era of wrestling ever in terms of mainstream WWE. We have no real, like, Ryback-type champions. Um, there are a lot of indie wrestlers. Like, we have two. In NXT, there are two Asian champions that don't speak English. That Well, Nakamura speaks good English. Asuka doesn't speak, speak that English much. English at all, right? Yeah, hardly. She yeah. just kind of gets it out. But um, There wasn't a Tommy English promo this week, though. Yeah, and a 
Siang Almas promo in English, and he speaks pretty well. Yeah, he's all right, but his character needs to know people anyway. Oh, but, it, it, his gimmick is horrible. But it's just looking at the landscape of the WWE right now. Like, this is really interesting. Um, Vince is, he's got a kind of cave in. Like, he still has his heart on for some of these big guys, but you got to admit, like, the smaller guys, there's a lot of great wrestlers out there uh, who don't fit the, the, the prototype of what uh, Vince's old wrestlers used to be. Yeah, and you know what? The prototype has changed. You have to be able to tell a story and put on a legit match in the ring. And if you have a little personality on top of that, you're golden. And, and that's the new prototype. And It's another thing. When Vince gets his hands on Nakamura, he can't mess it up. Yeah, Same he, thing we said about Owens. You, even the dumbest shit Owens has been put in. That, that tag match at SummerSlam. Pretty dumb. But the funny shit with him doing that Enzo, scooting across the... The canvas oh, yeah. on the outside, like he makes everything gold. Yeah, it makes you can't chi- you can't mess it up. He makes chicken salad out of chicken shit. The guy is like you put him in anything, he makes it work. And so Knox's gonna be the same way, and I mean AJ Styles has proven to be the same way. You can't mess them up. No, you gotta let them. You gotta leave them to their own devices. They they've cut their teeth in the indie scene. They've made fans in the indie scene. Like you gotta let them be. You gotta be hands off. You can't invasion this storyline. Like you can't take these guys and retool them and make them something else. You gotta let them be who they are, and who they are is a bunch of magnificent wrestlers, man. And they're, and they're really doing the thing. Um, let's go jump into SmackDown real quick. After Raw, SmackDown was like a huge letdown. Yeah, um, this is the first week I'd probably say that because SmackDown has been really good. It has. It had it has. zero chance this week. No, it, it stood no chance as a whole. Um, it did really nothing to build off of the SmackDown Live segment between The Miz and Daniel Bryan. Like, Miz cutting the promo early was just kind of like, okay, what does this all mean? We don't know. Um, we, had, we had some progression in the tag team tournament. We had the Hype Bros beat the Vaude Villains. That's your team, the Hype Bros. Hey, we stay hype. Wait till I get um, that shirt. I'm wearing it around Danny Acosta all the time. Oh, my stay God. Stay hype, bro. <laughs> we had actually a really funny segment with Heath Slater at his house. Uh, with Renee Young and Rhino, uh, and, Rhino and uh, who was it? What was this girl's name? Bertha Beulah. I can't remember his girl. Yeah, it's crazy like that. Look, Heath Slater's just—he's just gold right now. Um, and him and uh, Rhino defeated the returning Headbangers. What the Headbangers? Who that? Where? Why? Why did we even find the Headbangers and stick them in this tournament? I don't Tell know. You. The Dudleys had to leave, man. They're just—they're rummaging. Yeah, they're legit free agents. The Dudleys are booked for indie shows right now. Yeah, they, they're rummaging for old tag teams. But um, it really kind of is, is indicative of how thin these divisions are. Like, and then you look at the women's division and you're like, what? Who's going to win the women's title? Uh, Nikki Bella? Maybe not. Maybe Alexa Bliss? Like, I don't know who wins the women's title because I don't care. Becky so, Lynch has to hold the first women's title. You she's feel been like, through some shit. Nah, like she's always been in the background. Nah, nah, it's her time. I feel like Becky might be better off chasing the title than actually having the title right now. Then you got to give it to Bella with their... T- oh, Nikki Bella's going to win it because Total Bellas premieres this week. Oh, Christ. The pay-per-view is next week. It, they're going to put the belt on her because she's I, I going mean, to sell. Yeah, she's she's whack. Um, The... Uh, consistent burial of Apollo Crews continues. Oh, Apollo. And he posted like some real inspirational stuff on Instagram today. Too happy. Yeah, he posted like Dr. Dre and I think Jay-Z. And it was like, don't worry. They doubted us too. Like, he's he's just mad cryptic now. (laughs) Nah, bro. It's like, yo, I I don't know what to tell you. Good. Use that. Stop smiling. 
Be the angry black man. Yeah, it's be, just be the new Farouk. Do something. Like he had a decent match with AJ Styles. Um, I've seen better out of both of them, but just as a whole, it's like they're completely lost with the Apollo Crews character and what to do with them. But then on the flip side of that, Baron Corbin ends up in the main event against Dean Ambrose, and Baron Corbin actually is kept strong because he doesn't lose via pin. He loses. He uh, wins by disqualification. So it makes me want again. Baron Corbin is another guy that I feel like Vince looks at and was like, "Big, all right, but he's whack." Like Baron Corbin's terrible in the ring, and this match was boring as shit. And then the end with AJ Styles getting draped over that the top rope on his nuts—that was ridiculous. Yeah, uh, that was it, was. it was very weird. <laughs> I'm just, not gonna lie to you; it's it's a little odd. Baron Corbin's not not for me right now. Um, the Big Bad Wolf is just losing his hair. We just need a different gimmick now. <laughs> it's real thin on the top. I can't see him and see anything else at this point. Yeah, so SmackDown so was nothing to really talk about. Um, real quick, we'll touch on uh, the CWC and NXT. NXT, not a whole lot happened. Nakamura cut a promo that was better than any Roman Reigns promo. Like I think believe you said that. Ever, um, yep. <laughs> Easy, ever. It's just like, man, he speaks English well enough to be champion. Yeah, I mean, and he said he's just got so much charisma. Like, so when he delivers his lines, you're like, "I word!" Like, I'm with this guy. Yeah, like, he got the pacing, the cadence. Yeah, he's got it. He's got it. So we got a Nakamura promo. Yeah, Oscar came back, and then we had like this horrible women's match uh, between uh, what's her name, Aaliyah, and uh, Li- what's her name, Liv Tyler. Yeah, Is that yeah, Liv no, Taylor? Liv Morgan. Liv Morgan. Liv you Morgan. only live once. I'm getting the Yolo shirt as well. Uh, shout out, you know, to the sponsors, Las Vegas Fight shop uh i'm getting all these shirts um but watching this Aaliyah and Liv morgan match i'm going man Liv this morgan is, is gonna be bay in 2017 by the way but I, but man y'all got a long way to go to make this women's division interesting because to get ember moon into the title picture with oscar will mean that you basically have to rush her into the title picture which i think i don't want to see her rushed into the title picture i'd like to for her to have a decent feud but who can she possibly feud with on this roster? Nah, no one so far. I thought Aaliyah actually worked a good match. Did um, you? Watch she, it again. Okay, I'll watch it again. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, even though Liv will be Bay for next year and she's mad sexy, she just can't wrestle well right now. Um, but I thought Aaliyah, like, now they moved her character into a heel. And I saw it breaking ground last year. So I saw where Aaliyah was. She's 19. She's been training, you know, for two years now. So she's about to be 21, I think um in the training center and she was like all like poppy and bubblegum and i want to be a princess but now they took like the heel turn with it which is dope she worked a heel match uh, i thought a lot of her strikes were kind of stiff which was nice she had the little stunner on the ropes she, uh, to me she did she had the submission that was good she did the the head stomp out of that she worked a good heel match in my opinion um it just wasn't now Liv just didn't pick it up from the other end or have that much time to have offense get off. And the finisher was Bosch completely. There was like a weird camera angle. I'm not sure if Liv connected at all. You couldn't really tell. It was like a cartwheel super kick. Um, it just looked horrible on the finish. But I, I thought Aaliyah worked a really good match. Yeah. I, for, I what, mean, for what they are and where she was on breaking ground, this is her character. She they, has to work heel. She has to be, you know, yelling at the crowd. She had stiff shots. One thing, if you're a woman, you could throw a punch. That'd take you a long way. And she worked some good strikes. I, I wasn't mad at Aaliyah. Liv let the ball drop a bit. 
Well, yeah, she's no good. <laughs> like, she's no good. It's just the, the distance between Asuka and, well, and Ember Moon, even though she's only had one match, and the <laughs> rest of the women, they're like, there is so much space. And they, like, you feel like they need to go to Shimmer and get a few more of those women and bring them in so at least they can. Because, look, wrestling Asuka right now is not like a, you don't get trained to get better wrestling Asuka. She just beats the shit out of you. Yeah. Because she's ultra stiff. And I don't think she really has time to help you navigate a match. It's like, I'm going to get, like, not even I'm going to get my shit in, but this is how the match is going to go. If you fuck up, I'm going to torture you. And that's kind of how Asuka wrestles. Because every match that I watch her in, like, she's not really carrying the match. She's, she's just really getting her licks in. And then hopefully you figure your shit out. She doesn't have time for the teaching shit. So these women really don't have anybody that can really get them through a match. They don't have like a Ty Dillinger who's, no. who's good uh, no matter who he wrestles. Like Ty Dillinger is always going to look like a million bucks. He's that good. Well, they have this one chick now. Um, I think she's starting to work house shows. She was in the last class. They signed her from, I want to say Great Britain or Ireland. Smaller chick, but she's kind of like Becky Lynch status. Um, she's, she's good. She's a good wrestler. Um, they're just working out her gimmick. I'll find her name. I actually look it up. But she was legit over there. I guess one of the top women wrestlers in the UK. So they signed her. She's in house. Whenever they roll her out, she'll be good, probably as a face. And then they have to, like you said, they have to go and get someone. They they've had Tessa Blanchard in several times. Tessa can work a match. You know, just sign her. It's time. Like sign her full time. Um, just- the division is thin, and you they have a ton of developmental women, but. None of them are ready. So sign, you know, a test, sign blue pants full time. Sign some of these women who can work a match, you know, from yeah. Shimmer and these other promotions. That's all you need. You need some established mid-tier talent who can, who can wrestle with the best and wrestle with the worst and, and make you better. And that's what they don't really have right now. Um, CWC, uh, we had two pretty good matches. Grand Metallic beat uh, Kira Sazawa, which I was really surprised that Sazawa didn't go over. Me too. I was like, damn, I wanted Sazawa to go over too. Like, he has all the friends in the industry and people yeah. love him on Twitter. And Sasha Banks was like, oh, my best friend forever is going to win. And then, damn, to see him lose, it was like, man, it's rough. And, and there's no question in my mind, he's one of the guys getting signed for Ross Cruiserweight division. No question in my mind. Him, well, Cedric, cu- no way they leave the company. I'm curious because. You know, it really comes down to the winner of this tournament needs to basically be already signed, is what I'm thinking, is, is the logic here. Um, because having somebody win the C and go back to the Indies would make no sense. So it makes me a little curious on how this thing is, because I don't think Coda signed with the WWE yet. Maybe um, I'm wrong. The reports I've read is Coda is signed on an appearance-by-appearance appearance deal. Um, it's kind of like... The joint Joe signed when he first showed up, mm. where he could work the dates he had remaining, but he wasn't inked and locked in. Uh, I believe right. AJ might have started like that for like a couple weeks, and then he got like his shit together, and they locked him in. So it's kind of like, yo, we got to figure out some more stuff. But in the meantime, if we need you after this, we'll pay you per spot. Mm. Yeah, so this makes it interesting. So we had Kota Ibushi went over on Brian Kendrick in a really good match. Um, really good finish. There was some stiff shots in there. Brian Kendrick, I felt like he damn near killed Cotto a couple times. Um, with uh, there was a few moves. Uh, I can't remember it was that, that side drop on the head. Um, I think he dropped him on his head like two or three times. A neck breaker on the ropes. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, 
But that was a really good match. So it's like, so next week we got we got the uh, semifinals on the other end, which is Zach Sabre Jr., who everybody figures will go over. Um, and then we have, what is the other match? Oh, shit. In which Zach Sabre Jr. did not sign. He's that's, one of the guys who just said, nah, like, and that's I'm not ready yet. I have to back off my pick of him because if he didn't sign, I can't see him winning this tournament. Yeah, he's one of the guys publicly that's you know, come out. He did not sign the deal. As, as far as I know, I haven't caught up on PWG. I think he's still PWG champion right now, too. So, yeah. I have to back off my Bola's pick. coming up this week. Yeah, Bola's this weekend and uh, not going to be there. But um, And it, it's really hard with PWG cards because it's, like, it's really hard to stay away from spoilers because it takes them so long to put out a DVD. Um, yeah. So, uh, Rich Swan is wrestling. Who else Swan wrestling? Let's see. Quarterfinals. Oh, uh, TJ Perkins, which I'm really looking forward to that match. I have this. Yo, I'm surprised TJ Perkins won too. I'm not, I'm not actually surprised about TJ Perkins. TJ Perkins is he's a, a good really, wrestler. Yeah, he's really good, and he's got a lot of charisma, and I could see him being a catalyst in this cruiserweight division. Yeah. Him and Swan's match should be really good next it's week. It's going to be fast-paced, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, well, there's going to be a lot of flippy-dippy shit. So, yeah, um, that's my type of shit. Uh, <laughs> no, I, and I expect TJ Perkins to go over, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I think so. I don't know. It, after I know Swan is now their guy, and he's been in developmental and all that stuff. And we're, this will probably be the breakout match for Swan. But like I said, he's been there so far. I think TJ Perkins needs his story told a little bit more over another week. Send him to the semis, uh, and it'll be great. And I think, what, he'd face Sabre Jr. in the semis? Yeah. So, yeah. And then that could be very interesting. So um, that wraps up that talk. But then right before this podcast started, the PWI released their top 500 wrestlers. Um, wow. Oh, here we go. Uh. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we don't have a whole lot of MMA and boxing to talk about, so we can spend a little time on this. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, you know you're going to spend time on this shit. Roman Reigns has come in number one on the PWI 500. Drop the mic. That's it. That's it. We don't need to hear nothing else. How the hell is Roman Reigns your number one wrestler? How? Yo, I, I absolutely have no idea. The only thing I can think of there's a, the only ways I can look at this is a couple ways. Roman Reigns has been serviceable in the ring. He's not bad, as bad as people make him out to be. He's not great either. Um, AJ Styles came in in January, so he doesn't have a full year under his belt. Seth Rollins was hurt. Um, Okada. How is he is, over Okada? I don't know. Okada's the what, Okada two five star matches. Okada and Naito have. You know, carry New Japan and Tanahashi as well, but Tanahashi was injured. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to assume this doesn't take into consideration the G1 climax. It so, has to. What? I, he dude, wouldn't be at two without it. I just don't know. Maybe how, not. Maybe not. I just, dog, I don't know how this man is number one. Like, I, I, I guess because of everything that I've just mentioned is perhaps a reason why Roman Reigns is because he's, he's been consistent. But, man, AJ Styles has been your best you know, performer for the past year because he's been healthy. Seth Rollins is clearly one of your better wrestlers. Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, and Shinsuke Nakamura have been, and especially Nakamura. But it, I guess the argument is Nakamura is not on the main roster yet. Um, In which Nak is still very high on the list. Nak well, yeah. is seven. 
considering his New Japan tenure, um, matches that he's had in NXT, you know, you, you look at the Balor match, definitely look at the Zayn match, you look at him beating Samoa Joe, which probably wasn't taken into consideration when this list was put out. Finn Balor is three. It seems like you have to be the man in your promotion to crack the top five. Yeah, but it's just, was Roman, has Roman Reigns been the man? He was the guy in the number one promotion, so I think they gave him number one. Because um, then you go Okada, champion. Finn Balor, NXT champion. Five is Jay Lethal, champion. These are all like the heavyweight champions of their promotion. And I think four was AJ Styles, who just wrestled his way into the top five. I mean, okay. Here's, here's my thing about AJ Styles. It is hard for me yeah. to not have AJ Styles at number one. And because if you look at his body of work over the past year, you look at what he did in New Japan, you look at what he did in his match with Nakamura at Wrestle Kingdom, you look at him when he premiered at the Royal Rumble and the pop that he got and, and how much interest there was in AJ Styles. You look how they handled AJ Styles at WrestleMania even though he lost to Jericho. Then you go from there to him making Roman Reigns look like a zillion dollars. Then you go to the John Cena feud and him going over on John Cena this, at this SummerSlam. How is this man not number one? Yo, I, I don't, don't understand. And the only reason Okada would be ahead of him is the G1 run. Yeah, th- I mean, that's it. I mean, Okada... But even there, like, what, Tanahashi, to me, had overall better matches than Okada? Well, I mean, you Front know, to back? The, the MVP at G1, I've talked about it before, is uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Um, Kenny Omega at the stretch. At the had, end, yeah. yeah. At, the, at the last, like, three days. Yeah. yeah. Kenny Omega put on phenomenal matches at the end, but Tanahashi did his thing. Mara Fuji did his thing. So it's Okada being the champion, I guess, elevates him. And Okada's a better champion than anybody that's been in the WWE in recent memory. So, well, in the past year. Um, Sheamus, Roman Reigns, yeah, no thanks. Uh, so I, I would, if Okada was number one, I'd understand. But AJ Styles has just had a really spectacular string of between promotions at that he's just been great this shit's um, all over the place like you look at how do you get this jay uso is 90 jimmy uso is 99 yeah i don't even know because i mean like you know, don't you they do put, the same exact shit well i was about to say you could put jimmy and jay in the room right now and say one of them's wrestling i'm like i don't give a shit they're both wrestling because i don't know who is who chris jericho uh, is number 20 Jericho's he's he's a good hand. Uh, old, old man Jericho, twenty best twentieth best wrestler in the world right now. You're naming old man Jericho. Um, who is he ahead of? Hmm. Forty what? Four hundred and eighty well, people. He's ahead well, of. Well, he's ahead of like Jay Briscoe. Sami yeah. Zayn is forty. Well, that's insulting. Sami Zayn should be a lot higher. Sami Zayn is, regardless of how many times he's jobbed. The man is just, he's look, he looked great. Like, him against Seth Rollins with the ankle injury, like, he sold that shit like a million dollars. So, You look yeah. at this. Uh, Ishii, 37. Well, yeah. I, Kota Ibushi, 73. Uh, well, Ibushi hasn't been as active. Where's Zack Sabre Jr.? Kalisto is 25. Kalisto's 25 and Zack Sabre Jr. is 28. Fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is going on here? You hold a belt and you're just fucking... Rocketed up the list. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, Ricochet at fifteen. I put Ricochet higher. I wouldn't. I'm thinking about his year because that means where's Samoa Joe at? But I mean, listen, it's not his fault that the tapings with fucking what's his face is all messed up. Well, actually, I'm sorry. You know what? I, I actually don't mind Ricochet because I'm, I'm watching Lucha Underground. And I keep thinking, I keep forgetting his run as Prince, Prince Puma. Puma. Yeah, that, I mean, that's his major run. He's and been, then tag champion. 
Yeah, and New and Japan New tag Japan. champs. Yeah, yeah, so I mean, he's had a good ass year. Yeah, I mean, where's Michael Elgin at on this list? Like, we're we're, we're actually reading this in real time, readers. Yeah. So you have to stick with us. Um, Naito twelve. That's a good yo, spot for Naito. Jeff Hardy sixty seven. Matt Hardy's thirty three. Ooh, is this, this might be the first year Matt Hardy's above Jeff? Yep, the Young Bucks. Nick Jackson's forty six. I mean, Nick Jackson's forty nine. Matt Jackson's forty six. Samoa Joe's fourteen. All right, that's not bad. Kane is fifty two. Not all right. How can um, he even wrestle this year? Dog. Uh, yeah, see, that's that's why I say when you make an argument that somebody's not active, like, hmm, I don't, I don't. Uh, Zach Saber Jr. was twenty eight, and Saber has had he's had a great run this year. Okay, um, Ryback is thirty. Yeah, he's I was just, above Ishii. I was legit looking at Ryback at thirty and threw up in my mouth a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, of course, these lists are subjective. You don't really know what go, know what goes into it. Uh, Kofi Sammy, stayed at forty two. That's not bad. Yeah, it's kind of, um, well. Lashley right? at 24? Well, I guess he's the TNA champ, so. Shrug? <laughs> yeah, uh, all right. This, this, look, John Cena's number 10, all right? John Cena at number 10. I would, I would say that he kind of slid because he was injured. And just as I say that, I'm watching John Cena versus Batiste at Extreme Rules 2010. Wow, this is happening. Oh, how um, he's grown. John Cena, over the past year, has been. Way better than a lot of these people. John Cena's been better than Roman Reigns. Dean Ambrose right ahead of him at nine. John Cena, like, John Cena's in ring, his matches over the past year should have vaulted him well past number 10. Oh, yeah. Uh, the people that are at number, like, you know, that are ahead of him, especially. He hasn't been better than AJ Styles, but dude, he's put on, he's put on great matches. Big E at 38 might be a little low. Mm, Big E, uh, again, I want to see him in a singles run. I got to see Big E in a singles run. So the PWI 500, the list just came out today. You can fight over it. Um, Drew Galloway's at number 10. Holy shit. Um, Drew Galloway at 10? He's not yeah. 10. Yes, he is. I'm looking at it right now. What the hell? Drew Galloway's number 10. Anyway, that's our week in pro wrestling. Uh, and we need to take a break before we, we close the show out with some boxing and MMA. Yeah, let's take another quick break. This list is just going to fucking keep us mesmerized for hours after this show. But we got more to talk about. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Before we continue to talk more combat sports, we've got to give another thanks to Casper Mattresses. Casper Mattresses combine two technologies, springing latex foam and supportive memory foam to create an award-winning sleep surface. Have y'all ever slept on memory foam? It's like floating on air. It's that great. And this is how we get our sleep. So you guys make sure that you check it out. Casper mattresses are made in the USA and have free shipping and returns to the US and Canada. Shout out to the great north. You can buy your Casper mattress easy online and it's completely risk free. Look, dude, you spend like a third of your life sleeping, and Casper understands the importance of trying out a mattress before you commit. Look, so if you aren't satisfied with the Casper mattress, you got a 100-day period. Yeah, that's right, 100 days. You know, like, 100 days of sleeping, by, by about that time, I think I know if I like my mattress. So get a Casper mattress for $500 for a twin or $950 for a king size. And you can save an additional $50 towards your Casper mattress by going to casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner. Promo code the corner to save $50 towards your Casper purchase. Terms and conditions apply. Look, again, man, I like to sleep, and these things are for real. Here to talk UFC and boxing to wrap up the show. 
We actually had a card this weekend that I forgot about. So shame on me. Andreas is on it. And we'll talk about that and recap that. You know, Maya versus Condit from Vancouver. It was on Fox, so a good amount of people should have saw it. Yeah, it was the lowest rated Fox show I believe they've had yet. Oh, that's a, that's a damn shame. Look at yeah. that. But there was a lot of shit going on this weekend. True. So, understandable. Um, but we got to open it up talking about Rory leaving UFC for Bellator. Rory Mack is gone. This he, makes sense. He called <laughs> UFC boring. He's right. It ain't fun when you're taking ass whoopings, though. And no, I'm a huge not. Rory fan. Um, it's not. But when you look at the champion, he's a guy you beat. Yep. You, you look at what? He's beat three, three of the top five contenders in the division. Came up short. You couldn't beat Wonderboy. It is what it is. You could have stayed, waited your time in line, and hoped for a title shot down the road. But no, he took his ball and he left. Well, yeah. So I think everything started. The ball started rolling as soon as Rory saw his disclosed pay for his title fight with Robbie Lawler being, I believe, it was $58,000, which is a fucking slap in the face because those two put on one of the greatest welterweight title matches of all time. Now, granted, he may have got slid some money under the table because, you know, the UFC is a private company and they'll disclose everything that they pay out. But a base pay of $58,000, like that barely probably covered his hospital bills. Yeah, not enough but, to get your whole fucking face smashed in. Right. So that, I figured that got the ball rolling. And as with the Reebok deal, with, you know, his position in the welterweight division, um, him not getting any big money fights, you know, Bellator, the grass is greener on the other side. Um, because Rory could be a champion there. He yeah. wants to fight at middleweight and welterweight. He wants to be a champion of both divisions. And he gets his sponsors back. Now, granted, one of his sponsors is Reebok, so I don't know how that plays out. Uh, I'm assuming that Reebok is going to say, eh, no thanks, and move on. But Rory McDonald should, should do well at Bellator. But he'll it's do like, better. Yeah, he'll do better. I think he'll get paid more, and it's good for his career. Um, you know, staying in the UFC and UFC didn't match the offer that Bellator gave him. Well, like, why go back to the UFC? They don't really value you anyway. No, and he's young enough that he can always go back 32, 33 years old. Robbie Lawler's age and challenge yeah. again. If he wants to. If you, know, wants, you know, run, if you can run Bellator for a couple of years, which I don't see why he, he couldn't. To me, he's top three, what, top three, top five, welterweight in the world. Yeah, he's, he's, he's top five. So it's just like, okay, go try to take the championship, prove your worth, and be champ for a second. Cash these mega checks they'll probably try to give you. And, you know, when you wear out your welcome, go back to the UFC. I mean, you just never know because this could be, like, I've, I've, for, for the past few years, I've compared Bellator to WCW. They're only really one big signing away from turning the tide and making Bellator a formidable opponent you know, in, in the MMA landscape. So the signing of Rory McDonald, the signing of Benson Henderson are both really big signings. It's just not the, the tipping point that's going to get people to tune in to Bellator. But they're getting close. In the next couple of years, the UFC isn't really taking care of their fighters. We can see more people defect, and maybe Rory never leaves Bellator. You know, maybe Rory stays there. The money might be better as long as they don't have to implement a Nike deal or some shit like that. Under Armour. Um, just come yeah. through, scoop them up. As long as they're not doing that... I can see Rory staying long-term, getting more money. Forget about the prestige. You fought on the big stage before. Who cares? You know, I mean, the UFC is just really not taking care of the fighters. With this $4 billion, you know, sale, um, and then the news that Joe Silva's leaving at the end of the year, which is... Which is Joe's- crazy. Like, matchmaking has been a huge part of what's really separated UFC from boxing. 
Yeah, I'm curious if that means Sean Shelby gets elevated um, to a bigger role with the company, even though Sean Shelby's having, handling all the lighter weight classes. But it's just that the dynamic of the UFC is changing. So that means you know we can see more fighters leave. So it's good for Roy McDonald. Cash in while you can. You're still young. Um, you got a lot of money, and we really don't know how that face is going to hold up. So um, take it in. You know, calling the UFC boring? Hey, whatever. Like, Rory, I, I interviewed Rory years ago. Um, we hung out at the pool together, just kind of chopped it up. You know, he never, his personality never shines when he does interviews. But when he's like, when you turn the recorder off, he's a different person. It's really weird. Um, and him saying boring was like the most personality we've seen out of Rory McDonald since he signed with the UFC. Definitely. So, he's a robot. Yeah. He, he, I've only seen robot Rory. That's he, it. Like, he's a machine. He doesn't smile much. He doesn't, you know, he just is kind of there. But, you know, hopefully the Bellator has some things, some exciting things planned that they can make Rory, who won't compete until what it appears to be next spring or summer. Um, but hopefully they can make him a big star for that organization and get him, book him for some really big fights. They need, they need stars. That's one thing they need. So, I mean, at least he'll be a star in Canada. Uh, talking about Rory, training partner, I, I guess it's kind of his mentor. You know, whatever, you know, Jedi's would like to call it. Rory would be his Padawan. Uh, GSP. Yo, he's coming back. Even though Dana White says, ah, hold the brakes. But he's, what, a month deep in drug testing for USADA? Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, he's as good as back. I think he's, Dana's just kind of fucking around right now. I mean, posturing for this contract that GSP probably laid on him. Well, yeah, that's, that's. Fat contract. He's trying to stunt on, on GSP because GSP left when the UFC was a completely different company. So, um, But there's no way that you don't bring GSP back into the mix. You, there's no way you're that arrogant as an organization that you don't pay GSP what, what he wants and then risk him going to Bellator. Because you paid a roided, roided up Brock Lesnar, whatever the hell he wanted. You can pay GSP what he deserves. Yeah. Um, so you got to make that happen. And, you know, GSP wants to fight in Toronto. He wants to fight against Tyron Woodley, Damian Maya, and I forgot who the third person he said he would like to fight. I think it was Robbie. Nick Lord. Diaz. Oh, was it Nick Diaz? That's who it was. Um, Nick. Get the, Nick. Nick sorry. Diaz, yeah. Whatever. Um, <laughs> same, same shit. You, I mean, I which I would love that Nick Diaz fight. If he can't, if for some reason Wonder Boy gets the immediate title shot over GSP, which I don't foresee happening, that's fucking bananas. Because um, GSP never lost the belt. It's not no, like but, a John Jones situation. Yeah, but GSP doesn't really want the title. He just wants big fights. Yeah, but that's that's a pretty damn big fight against someone that you saw, someone you trained with, wreck before. Like, Rory yeah. had no problems with Woodley. Yeah, I mean, whatever. I think Wonder the Boy gets the title shot. The belt means money. Look, GSP, Nick Diaz in Toronto, that's big. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, that's, that's, that's selling. Big. The Diaz brothers have never been more of must-see attractions. And Nick's chomping at the bait. You know he's going to... To me, he's a better trash talker than Nate. So yeah. he's definitely going to bring the excitement level. Put him on ESPN and Sports Center. We've already seen the shit he talked about with GSP. You want to hear someone talk about someone doing steroids? That's it. Yep. Nick's going to throw all that shit on the table. So it's it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so That'd it, be a great fight. Hopefully in the next few weeks they figure this out, get GSP back in the mix. We'd love to see him fight at Toronto. It'd be good to have him back until he gets in the cage and everybody remembers, oh, yeah, he just kind of wrestle fucks guys. So, Lay and pray. <laughs> <laughs> people will be upset once they see him back in the cage. Very similar to Floyd Mayweather. You're excited, then you see him, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's what he does. Um, even though I'm a big fan of GSP and I enjoy his style, other people just do not. 
Uh, we have a card this weekend. It feels like we have UFC cards every goddamn week. Oh, well, we got to recap the one from last weekend. Ah, that you reminded see? me exactly. of. See, you slipped your mind too. Exactly. UFC on Fox. Uh, the main card was good. Yes, it was. Good main um, card for the people who didn't tune in. I don't know what the hell else you were doing. I happened to catch it. I don't think anything else was that big on Saturday night. No, it wasn't a lot. I mean, there was some boxing, but who cares? Yeah, no one. Um, hey, listen. So no I guess was watching that right now. First, like I picked, you know, um, I, you know, I do my sports picks on uh, SBR Sportsbook Review, so they have me do video on cards, and I, and I was looking for the value on this card in, in terms of betting, and I thought Beck Rollins and Paige Van Zandt would go the distance, but no, Paige Van Zandt did a switch kick, kicked Beck's face off, and then and proceeded to finish her. Um, I was I was pleasantly surprised with how Paige looked in this fight. Um, I was. Pleasantly surprised by the finish. Yeah, I'm sorry, because he lost that first round. The Two. new Paige Van Zandt was very herky-jerky, moving around. It looked like she tried to be the female Dominic Cruz, but couldn't land anything to score while doing so. Well, so yeah, she was she... like, you know, my, my trainers told me to use that dance movement a little more and just don't rush people. It's like, yeah, but if you didn't get the fucking karate kid kicked to the face to land a knockout... You were probably going to lose that fight. You don't got time to just run around and do nothing. Well, yeah. When it came to value betting, I was talking about um, – uh, I, I figured Beck Rollins because I think Paige was a two-to-one favorite. And I thought that was kind of high because Beck is pretty rugged and, and rough. And it, it felt like if the fight goes the distance, she had a decent chance of winning. And she was losing that – Paige was losing that first round until she scored that second-round knockout. But good for her. Uh, good for the division. Uh, good for the UFC because they need stars to win, and Paige is a star, as they proved on Dancing with the Stars. She's a star. She won. She got over it. Don't know what she does next because clearly she's not ready for the elite. Karate um, hottie. Let's, let's go. I mean, that's a cute matchup, but uh, I think, you know, Watterson's a little bit more seasoned than Paige. Oh, but, I, you know, I'm here for it. If they want to do it, let's make it happen. Um, is, is Carla booked for anything? I don't think so. I haven't seen Carla in forever. Yeah, as far as I don't think it is booked for a fight. She right might now. wrestle the hell out of her, but I mean, once again, to me, Paige Van Zandt can beat those fringe top five people. Yeah, she goes a little higher than that. She's out of her league. Well, yeah, we saw that with Rose Namajunas. We saw how that happened. Um, Anthony Pettis made his debut as a featherweight against Charles Oliveira, and he was uh, ranked six, I believe, in the UFC rankings. Yes. Um, Everything for me was mental with Pettis. I, I, you know, I, I didn't think the weight was the big deal. I felt like his mentality. But Pettis looked really good against a seasoned jiu-jitsu practitioner and an all-around pretty tough dude in Charles uh, Oliveira, and he submitted him, which nobody does. Uh, with the Pettis looked, yeah, Pettis looked great on the ground. Yes, Some getting, of the transitions, the reversals, not yeah. getting caught. You know, he, with the chokes and everything, it was great on the ground. Yeah, I mean, this was... this. Proves that Pettis is a formidable opponent at 145. Now, with Conor McGregor, because we don't know where the hell he's going, uh, all signs are pointing to an Eddie Alvarez fight. All signs also point to him probably staying a lightweight if he wins the title from Eddie Alvarez. So you have Jose Aldo's interim champ, who would be upgraded to full champ. Max Holloway should get the next title shot. But that fight that's lingering that we've talked about for years that never happened between Anthony Pettis and Jose Aldo is really close to ha- actually happening now that, that Pettis looked good in his featherweight debut. You would think they got to keep Pettis out of there with uh, a, a couple of guys, I, I guess, 
who else in the top five competitors even fight to spring? Because he needs one more fight to springboard him into the title picture. You don't give him Frankie Edgar because he's going to lose. I mean, you know, in the spirit of competition, you might have to. That's, you, that's not a good setup fight, getting him to Aldo. Like, it, there's and really you know no Frankie would don't. want that. Yeah, I and mean, Frankie would want that. He would deserve that. So, I mean, because Lamas' book with BJ Penn. So you're kind of stuck in the featherweight division unless you're looking at people like uh, Brian Ortega or Gary Rodriguez who've got a long way because you don't, really don't want to squash their rising star right now. Um, but, you know, Pettis and Edgar is a, actually a really intriguing fight. Or, or you could put Pettis in there with Cub Swanson. That's good. Ranking. Give him um, Cub. Uh, I, think, I think he beats Cub. And then for the sake of just getting a new person in against Aldo, you give those two the fight. You put but, him in Brazil. Sell that shit. Yeah, I mean, Max Holloway should get the next fight against Jose Aldo. If Conor McGregor's not going to come back to 145 defenders title, Max Holloway, Jose Aldo, I'd love to see it happen in Hawaii, but I know there's a lot of hurdles to clear in order to make that happen. But Holloway deserves that fight. That's probably he, the co-main we see out here for yeah. that December fight. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, Holloway's, he's been, he's been excellent um, since losing to McGregor. He, he took his lumps early, losing to Poirier, and he's looked phenomenal since. So, but both guys have looked phenomenal since. I mean, Poirier and McGregor. So those aren't yeah. bad losses by any no. means. Poirier is a new man. Oh, yeah. Like 55. That's fucking he's crazy. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of intrigue in the featherweight division. It's a lot of fun right now. Like I said, you got guys like Yara Rodriguez climbing the ladder. You like to see where he goes with his striking. Um, Chad Mendes is the sideline for a while, so we don't know when we're going to see that guy again. But is the he rest of suspended that, two years? Yes. yes. So yeah. He's we, don't know, yeah, we don't know what's going to happen with him, but that, that division is fun. The other division that's fun now is Damian Maya collecting a ridiculous uh, under-two-minute submission victory over Carlos Condit in the main event. I didn't see this coming in the manner that it did. I just didn't see that happening. I didn't think it'd be finished like that. I, I thought it'd go the distance, to be honest. But one thing about Maya is, listen, his jits is world class. But as far as the jujitsu practitioners are concerned, he has probably the best wrestling out of all of them. So, like I said, he can shoot for a single. He can shoot for a double. He can get guys on the ground. He doesn't need to punch them, leave them dizzy, and then jump on them like many other jujitsu guys have to do. And he showed. Quick, first shot, single leg. That was it. End of the fight. Interesting. And he's like I, a fucking boa constrictor. I just didn't understand what kind of strategy was. You know, I figured kind of would keep some distance, um, shoot the knee. Because Maya doesn't shoot a double. He just kind of single leg grabs you and drags you down. Correct. So I figured if that was going to happen, the knee would be prepared for his face. But Carlos didn't do shit. He just kind of got sucked into this jujitsu match. And as soon as Maya got him on the ground... You know, uh, you know, they talked about the plan being kind of working from his back, but that didn't work. That didn't take very long because Maya quickly transitioned and wrapped his arms around his neck and choked him out under two minutes. Um, after the match, Carlos Condit said he has no business fighting at this level in the welterweight division, and he's teased walking away before. So is this the end of Carlos Condit? I think this is the end of championship-worthy Carlos Condit. But he's a guy to me, listen, as long as he wants to fight, he has a UFC contract because he is guaranteed great, great action outside of this Damian Maya fight. I don't know what the hell happened to him. But if you put him in there with other guys who are just going to throw him, he can sell fights. And he's going to make a lot of regular cards or huge cards exciting. If you see Carlos Condit's name, you know, fourth, third on a pay-per-view card, it might make you be like, okay, it's worth my dollars. 
So if he wants to continue to fight, he can. He doesn't have to fight top five guys. If he doesn't want to pursue the title anymore, he doesn't have to. He can be the Donald Cerrone of it. You can beat up five through ten or be Whoa. a gatekeeper. Whoever the hell wants to come through there. I'm not sure if – to me, and speaking to Carlos a couple times, his personality doesn't lend towards being a gatekeeper. He is like you know alpha male in the fullest. So if he's not chasing the belt, I'm not sure if that's something he'd want to do. Uh, you know, he doesn't want to just be there like, oh, okay, you know, I'm going to knock the young kid out or he's going to knock me out. I can't see him being that guy. Um, but we'll see. If he wants to continue fighting and making money, why not? I don't think he wants to continue fighting. You know, this is the second time he's mentioned retiring. And when I've talked to him previously, he talked about he saved his money well. Um, you know, dealing with the injury that he had in the past – uh, losing to Robbie Lawler in the manner in which he did, which a lot of people thought he beat Robbie Lawler in that fight, and then getting choked out by Maya. I'm concerned with his desire to fight. And not just fight, his desire to train to fight. And if he doesn't feel like he belongs, and mentally he's saying, this might be it, I feel more comfortable with him leaving than him taking another fight and then risking you know, health issues. Um, at this point in Carlos Condon's career, he's done a lot. He's, been, he's still relatively young. He's, at, he's 32 He's been in quite a few wars, um, but I wouldn't mind, you know, when a fighter recognizes that it's over. It's done. Yeah. You, yeah. Usually you don't get that second wind again. No. When, like, once you're it, mentally done, it's a wrap. Yeah. Like you, you call it a night and you see, you see the signs before everybody else does. And him getting choked up by Maya might have been that point where he's like, I'm not competing at this level. I don't want to fight unless I'm competing at this level. So maybe it's truly time for me to walk away and find something else to do. It sucks as fans because we love to watch Carlos fight. But, yeah, I get it. Like, if I'm not competing at the highest level, what am I competing for? So, yeah, that's he, where it's at. Hopefully he doesn't go out on this note. If yeah, anything, take one more fight, get the win, walk away. Okay. So, uh, we do have a card this weekend in Hamburg, Germany. It's a fight pass card, so it means most of our listeners probably won't watch it. Uh, headlined by the two OGs and Andre Arlovsky and Josh Barnett. Uh Kel, how do you see this fight going? Oh, I have Arlovsky winning, even though, you know, his draw is beyond questionable. But to me, Barnett's, he's been on the decline in my mind. The heavyweight division is so weird. Any given day, anyone can win. They can have a resurgence all of a sudden. It's, it's odd in the top 10, but I have Arlovsky winning this one. I don't. I have Josh Barnett knocking his ass out. Um, the glass jaw, I mean, I see it. I, I, can't, I can't knock you for that. Yeah, it's a tough fight to pick. I mean, I don't think that Arlovsky wants to get into a grappling match with Josh Barnett. Uh, you know, Josh Barnett is a phenomenal shoot wrestler. Um, he's pretty good with his submissions. Very heavy on top. So I think Arlovsky's going to try to swing for the fences. I think he's going to get caught with one. The War Master is very tough to finish. Granted, he got submitted by Ben Rothwell, which nobody saw coming. But, you know, Barnett is the heat. You know, he finished Frank Mir with a knee. Uh, he's crafty in his ways that he can finish fights. I just see Arlovsky getting into a wild exchange, getting clipped, and, and going night-night. And, and as fun as it, it'll be, I, I don't think it'll last too long. Um, I could be wrong. If Arlovsky paces himself to think he could go the distance, he could try to outpoint him. But, yeah, close quarters. And the way Arlovsky fights, I think he just kind of runs into a buzzsaw and goes to sleep. Yeah, it's, it's, listen, I had zero conviction in that. But I had to pick someone. Arlovsky's my pick. Uh, we have Gus coming back on this card versus Blackovich. I, you know what? Gus is going to win because Gus is top three in that division. 
Yeah, I mean, Alexander Gustafson, people have questioned him. and I mean, but look who he's lost to. Yeah. Anthony Johnson, who, who the hell could be mad at that? Daniel Cormier and John Jones, you've lost it to the top. It is almost similar like, to the Carlos Condit situation, almost. Because if, if he's middling around in the middle of the division, I don't know how his desire will be. So he has to win this fight. But, I, you know, this is my thing. If John Jones chooses to return, or he's allowed to return. When he chooses. chooses. Yeah, he, he's going to return. When, he's, when he comes back. I, you know, Dana Weiss got this boner for John Jones, Anthony Johnson before Cormier. I believe that Cormier should fight Rumble and Gustafson should fight John Jones. I figured, I think, you know, don't give John Jones any favors for fucking you over so many times. Let him work his way back to that title. Now, Grant, I don't think that Anthony Johnson's a favor by any stretch of imagination, but it just holds up Rumble's opportunity to get that gold. So if, if Gustafson looks good this weekend, I don't mind seeing Jones and Gus run it back. I agree. Put them on the same damn card. Yep. Make main and co-main. Why not? Sell, that'll sell. Light heavyweight card. Yep. Make it happen. Easy. And you got whatever is in January. Because we got <laughs> one out here on December 30th. Later January card. Make it happen. Exactly. Um, after that, we have Ryan Bader versus Latifi. Bader got wrecked. Let's just say that. His last fight. But many people do. Uh, he was on one hell of a run before then. Do you see him bouncing back? Yeah, but it won't be easy. Uh, Latifi's got heavy hands. This could be a little, this could be a little fun exchange. Um, uh, Bader could wrestle him to death. So uh, his, his wrestling credentials have always been pretty underrated. So I'm picking Bader to win this fight. But uh, I don't think it'll be that easy. Latifi could put up a pretty good fight. So um, there's that. You know, I'm going to be watching on Saturday. I don't think I'll be watching on time, though. I think it comes on at 3 p.m., the main card. But, oh, uh, wow. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll watch it then because I ain't got shit else to do on Saturday, really. And that's because boxing. Yeah, boxing. Uh, we don't got shit to do in boxing this week, man. No, I'm, it's I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't got shit to do. It's, it's really hard. Like, all right, so, I, you know, I'm supposed to do weekly columns for Ring Magazine. And, like, I just kind of sent the Kanye shrug each week because I have nothing to talk about. This past week we saw... Um, Alfredo Angulo and Robert Guerrero look like complete shit on a PBC card. Um, I don't know if you watched it. And that was supposed to be a highlight fight for Guerrero. Yeah, it was because, I mean, Just... Guerrero was fighting a cab driver. Literally. David Peralta <laughs> was a cab driver. Yo, he's not even good enough for Uber. That's he what I'm saying. can't even get Lyft. Son. Fight a cab driver. Like, he it's fought... 1992. And Guerrero lost a split decision to a cab driver. Like, the, the, the certain era of fighters are done. Which is Angulo is one of them. James Kirkland, Robert Guerrero, Nonito Donaire. A lot, a lot of these guys are finished to yeah. rap. And yeah. it, they were at least, you know, they're trying to hold on to these guys and just say, okay, we'll give you a winnable fight, so you just get knocked out again. Just sustain that name a little bit. They can't even do that right. Nah, man, it's like PBC is trying to, you know, work off of these stars, but nah, man, they're PB, not. They're, they're no good. PBC, they're looking thinner than SmackDown right now. They really are, and it's they're, like they're good at the top, but PBC is looking real thin. Oof. So you know, there's only one fight that, we, that that there is to talk about. We'll talk about much more in depth next week, but we can touch on it real quick. Is uh, uh, Golovkin and Kell Brook? Uh, Chocolatito's also fighting at the. I think he's fighting at the Forum in LA. Um, split but, telecast, right? Yeah, so. split telecast. People in, in LA, if you're planning on going to the fight, they are going to show the Golovkin fight, so you don't have to worry about. Watching, uh, watching him destroy Kell Brook. I don't see this going far. I don't give a shit what anybody says. But um, it's weird because 
There's like no hype. This is no hype for boxing, period, right? None. Now. And then Triple G, what, one of the biggest names in boxing. I couldn't, if I walked up to just random people on the street, I'd maybe find two out of a hundred that knew this fight was next weekend. Yeah. So I'm excited for the fight. I'm looking forward to it because I just like watching Triple G fight. I want to see what Fat Kell Brook looks like uh, fighting a, a real middleweight because Kell Brook is pretty big right now. So I'm curious because Kell Brook is an excellent fighter. And, you know, if this was in a, a different fighter in a different weight class, I'd be saying, hey, Kelbrook could probably win this fight. Gennady Golovkin is just a different beast entirely. Yeah, you're not going to um, hug and hold him. I, I saw that no. Sean Porter fight. Yeah, yeah. That you, shit was oh, ugly. It was. And, and Kelbrook won the fight, you know. Hug and hold. But, yeah. It's just, yo. Know, it just, you know, this is, this is just us having to wait for Gennady to get a big fight. So, and this is a pretty big fight, you know, so it is what it is. It's as big um, as he's going to get because Ioli at Yahoo penned a pretty good column calling out Oscar De La Hoya for not putting in Canelo with Triple G, in which it doubts that it ever happens at all. I mean, I've said that from the beginning. You know, I've said that from the beginning. I said, you know, I don't know if he ever wants to do this. And... The problem is, and Kevin, I only wrote a great piece for us over at Yahoo. Um, the problem is, is that you're, I, I just don't see the appeal in Canelo when he's fighting a Liam Smith. I don't, it's that Cowboy Stadium that seats so many people, but who's paying, like, if this fight was on HBO, I probably wouldn't watch it in real time. I'd probably watch it later because I know what's going to happen. Yep. So on pay-per-view, I'm not paying for this shit. <laughs> Like I don't, and, and there's no and the undercard. I think is like Saddam Ali is on the undercard. It's like, come on, man. Like, yo, boxing, you got to do better. You yo, at BSO, we were like thinking, like, okay, who's gonna go cover that fight? And we just, honest to God, we couldn't find anyone on our staff willing to go cover the fight. I mean, who cares? And then That's... Rob was like, yo, I'm not even gonna waste your time, like having you fly out there and blah blah blah. I was like, yeah, thank you. Like, I ain't got shit to. I don't want to go to Dallas for two days to watch a fight that's gonna take thirty seconds. It's bad, but it's just it's it's the problem with boxing overall because there's nothing to generate interest when you have fights like this and then you put them on pay per view. Um, yeah, it's it's the bait and switch. You know, Canelo wants another fight before the end of the year against a middleweight, and I don't know who's who's going to fight. You know, because HBO has been extremely frugal with their budget, and HBO is not getting the Pacquiao uh, Vargas fight for good reason. Um, so who are they going to cough up a bunch of money to fight Canelo in December? I don't know. No, no one. I mean, there's legit ass people that he could fight at 154 and he's not even taking them. At this point, I'm questioning if Oscar De La Hoya wants him to fight anyone tough at all. No, I mean, cause look, like when, when is it good enough to stop the money train and say, okay, let's try our hand at, you know, best ever conversations. It's just, (sighs) It's a matter of protecting the money train. And you want to keep the money train chugging along, even if it's not on premium gas. You're going to keep it chugging on spit and dirt. I don't know what it is that's keeping it going. But as soon as Canelo loses again, it's pretty much over. And if he gets wrecked by Gennady Golovkin, it is over. And no, the Mexican contingency will not save him because he ducked the fight for so long. It's only making it worse. Because if he ducks the fight and then he takes the fight and gets killed in the third round... It's over. So it's just it's really protecting how much money the Golden Boy can make because the way boxing is set up with PBC and 
uh, golden boy and top rank, everything's so spread out. It's like, well, what, what is there to really get excited about? What fights are you looking at? And you're like, man, I can't wait to see that fight. I'm looking forward to Ward Kovalev, but that's not a fight that the fa- like casual fans are going to give a shit about. But that's going to be the best fight to end this year. Yeah, but who cares? Somebody's going to care. They better make somebody care because that's, that's a great boxing matchup. At this point, boxing fans better care about every single one of those because we're not guaranteed great matchups more than twice every year. No, we're if not. If that, getting, if that, we're not even getting pound for pound fighters fighting one another. Another, and this, and this is where you got Ward and Kovalev, who are arguably in the top three or top five, depending on who you ask, um, are fighting each other. And this is like the biggest fight in terms of competitiveness that you can make in boxing. And but, however, the mainstream appeal is just not there because boxing sucks right now. This and might I'm, be for boxing's pound for pound number one. It, it is just straight I'm, up, like to be honest. Pound for pound number one fight. If Chocolatito was number one and Chocolatito hasn't fought Estrada or anybody else that really has pushed him, and Warden Kovalev are in the top five, Kovalev is my number one pound for pound right now. I have him ahead of Chocolatito because of his opposition. But a lot of people, he's number two. And Ward is either behind Gennady Golovkin at four or ahead of him at three with Terrence Crawford at five, maybe, depending on who you ask. If Ward beats Kovalev, he's the number one pound for pound fighter in the world. And vice versa. If Kovalev beats Ward, number one pound for pound fighter in the world. They are fighting to be the best fighter on the planet right now. I mean, come on, man. And you can't sell that? That's that's what goes through my mind when they say they have trouble selling these type of fights. Start now. Build that narrative now so people know it's more than just for one of your 1,800 belts. It's just people don't understand. Like People don't care about boxing. The boxing people do a horrible job of building these narratives, though, and making people care. It's true. It's true. So it's like, you know, PBC has a card every week and they don't care about this fight. PBC is not advertising Kovalev and Ward. Um, Top Rank's not advertising Kovalev and Ward. So it's a it's a rock nation thing. Right. And and main events with with uh, with Kathy Duva, two promotions that the general public really doesn't know. But they have two of the best fighters in the world. Unfortunately, they just don't have the money in the market and they're going to have to rely on HBO to make this fight bigger then, well, as big as it's supposed to be, this should be the biggest fight in boxing. This should be something that everybody in the world is tuning in to watch. But they're not. And that's boxing. That's boxing. That's why we talk about it last on the show. That's why it has been a non-factor in the past few weeks. It's just hard. And I love boxing, but it's, it's hard. because the, the, This is where you say the sport's really dying a, a death. A slow, painful death. Ugh. That we all just have a front row seat for. And it's horrible, man. So, I mean, we'll talk more about it, like you said. Next week, talk more about boxing in general now that it's starting to heat up. Uh, That's our show for this week, though. Hopefully everyone enjoyed. We'll be back again next week on Thursday, giving you guys more fight analysis, more wrestling, everything in between, some hip-hop, whatever this week may have. I'm sure some random show will pop up for us to talk about, too. But for now, follow us on all social media. The show is The Corner LSN on all platforms. You can find me at Kel Dansby on everything. Yep, and then me at Andreas Hale. And until next week, we're out. Peace. For the ones who get going when the going gets tough, and the ones who know we're tougher together. For the pathfinders breaking new ground, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as fast access to experts and 24-7 customer support. Because we know you have people depending on you. So you can always depend on us. Call, clickranger.com, or just stop by.
Granger, for the ones who get it done. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.